Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So this show, this particular episode, like I, I've been dying to have this conversation with this man because those that know me is kind of like you have the sci-fi world and then you have the real world and like, you know, understanding medicine and what it can and can't do. And if you're familiar with the with the movie Limitless, and I think the name of that particular pill in Limitless was the NZT48 pill, right? So those that know what that pill is, we're going to kind of dive into that space and we're going to like really deep dive into some, some questions and, and get you some answers to kind of really help you. But you know, I like to give whoever I'm talking to a particular nickname. So obviously his, his name is Dr. Mike, but for this show, we're going to call him the biohacking boss. Yes. BB man. So the floor is yours. man. why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about you and what we're going to be diving into today? Uh, well, you know, I have an accent. I'm originally from Belgium. Um, you know, most people don't know where Belgium is. It's in the heart of Europe, very small country. I always say it's the size of the Everglades in Florida. A lot less alligators, but a lot more good beer and good chocolate. <laughs> I came here in 1997. I've been here half my uh, life now. Uh, basically saved $400, uh, packed my backpack, and I came to live the American dream. So needless to say, without uh, mentors and without guidance, you know, I uh, got knocked down many times, but my motto quickly became, uh, you know, I never lose, I win or I learn. Mm. And so, you know, uh, I made it this far doing very good, always been involved in uh, health, um, you know, especially uh, sports performance initially, because I traveled with the Belgian Olympic swim team in preparation for the Olympic Games in Atlanta. That's when I got exposed to supplementation mostly. Um, and uh, came here as a physical therapist, uh, but quickly saw that uh, what they call alternative medicine, which is a wrong labeling, such as acupuncture, uh, oriental medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, food therapy, all that kind of stuff, worked very well. So uh, basically went back to school and got all those licenses. But after another thousand patients, I really realized even though these uh, therapies are less invasive and less harmful than conventional medicine, meaning drugs and surgeries. I really didn't get the long-lasting results I was hoping for either. So I decided to get my uh, PhD in holistic nutrition, and I started to look at Mother Nature and the animals in the wild and see what they were doing. And by combining those two, I really found the truths about health, and I'm very confident I can help anybody regain control of their health. So fast forward today, I feel I'm in a position I can be a mentor to people that uh, that I didn't have, uh, avoid pitfalls and show them how to regain control of their health. So I do a lot of mentorship programs and help people uh, doing that. There's usually three phases. Most people fall in phase number one because most people are in ill health. They either have pain, they're diagnosed with a medical condition, they're not in shape. So we need to first regain control of their health and get back to quote-unquote normal. Uh, what that means is, uh, you know, eradicate any pain or any medical condition and uh, balance their body. Um, step number two is when you're normal, you know, we want to be optimal. So that's where we want to get strong and fit and vital and uh, not feel fatigued afterward and after work and being control of our uh, physical, mental, emotional and spiritual well-being. And only when in optimal health, we actually could set a stage or we would have a great foundation to uh, maximize the benefits of biohacking. And biohacking really is um, 
uh, a, a, a broad and amorphous term that covers a wide variety of activities that can objectively reverse your biological age. And today that science fiction has become science fact. And so that's that's something that's available to you and me and everybody listening. Mm. And so uh, I feel very confident in being a guide for people to uh, navigate through those th- uh, three stages and be effective. At the same time, uh, I do mentoring on business too, uh, making sure people know their purpose in life, have their business, have a plan, have a strategy, fire the people that need to be fired. Uh, don't take on projects they don't need to pr- uh, uh, take on because it doesn't fit their goals and their dreams and keep them accountable and make sure they reach their goals. So that's what I'm doing today. Nice. Very nice. So I, mean, I want to unpack some of that. And also, I think like you gave yourself so, some credit, but I think you missed out on some other opportunities. Like like we're, we're talking to a world, a world record holder in swimming as well. So I want you to kind of like I want you to time travel back and I want you to talk about that. Like, were you into biohacking back then? And that's what kind of got you to where you are right now? Or is this kind of like being in that level of swimming kind of put you forward to where you are? Excellent question. So um, when I was in school, school is different in, in Europe, but I was like, you know, eight years old, elementary school over there. We did obviously all kinds of sports just like you do here. So I was on a soccer team, basketball team. I was the fastest runner. The only thing I got beaten was swimming because one of my friends was, uh, you know, in the local swim team and I wasn't. So that motivated, I was a sore loser, I guess, that motivated me to, you know, uh, join the local swim team. And that's where I found my passion for swimming. So I still tell people it's really my worst sport. But anyways, I swam from when I was eight till I was 24 years old and had some Belgian titles and records, etc. But then I took a 22-year break while I was here. I really didn't swim competitively, didn't work out. And then I decided to do master swimming again. So, but now I'm 46. And so I really figured, well, I don't have the endurance. I don't have the VO2 max. So how am I going to compensate, you know, for not being in my 20s? And so that's when I started looking, okay, I'm stronger at 48 than when I was 22, but I don't have the endurance, right? So how do I compensate? Diet, supplementation, uh, you know, mindset, you know, all those types of things. And so that's when I really got into biohacking because even people my age, uh, I'm 51 now, you know, uh, this, the, I'm preparing for the uh, world championships in Japan in August 2023. But my competition, they swim at least two hours a day. I don't have time to do that. And I really don't have the desire either. So while they're training harder, I'm trying to train smarter and I'm competing in the 50 plus. But what I'm trying to do is get my body in a 40 year old biological age. So I will be a chronologically 51, but hopefully my body's only 40 and that will, you know, be my secret weapon is the biohacking. I was successful in 2019, uh, swimming a world record in 2019 doing that. So, I mean, I think it's interesting, right? I mean, obviously we're talking about swimming, you're talking about sports, but then you found another sub niche in the sports spectrum with a passion for like boxing. I mean, uh, I've seen pictures on your Instagram page that you would holy feel and, and yeah. rainbow and all these other boxers. So how did, how did, how did you go from like, being highly competitive in sports, finding that swimming was your weak spot, then you dove head on into it. How the hell did you end up in boxing? Like, how did that come into play? Well, I'm not a boxer, but uh, being the world record holder, I became uh, a member of the World Sports Alumni, WSA. And that's basically a 
you know, an organization where a lot of alumni and also active sports uh, people get together just to network, but also, for example, especially before COVID, we went to many, um, you know, charities and events where, you know, the charities could announce that we would be there, we would sign books and, you know, baseballs and footballs, and we had a good time. So that's how I met you know, a lot of NFL players, uh, heavyweight champion boxers, like you said, really big daddy, Bo, uh, Holyfield, uh, you know, Pink, Thomas Pinkland, and those kind of guys. So they, be I became close to all those people. And uh, what I did for them at that time, I, I was the CEO of a stem cell company from 2015 till COVID hit. So stem cells, again, is one of those biohacking strategies, right? Because it brings us beyond our genetic programming. And so we did stem cells on Riddick Bow. His shoulders and knees were shut. And uh, after that, um, you know, we did one stem cell injection into the joints. And then we did three shockwave treatments. And, you know, Riddick Bow still today, and this has been a few years, says that he's never felt so good. Uh, same for Pinkless Thomas for his low back. NFL players, Ron Dixon, who still has a record, uh, in the NFL, he played for the New York Giants, so his knees were shot. He had to retire early, tried everything on the planet. And when we did his knees, now he's, uh, you know, playing with his kid and be able to to uh, to run and to walk without pain. So, you know, that's how I got in contact with them. That's how I got their trust because we treated many top athletes with these regenerative medicine uh, therapies. And we did that very successfully. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, I, I'm painting this picture. I mean, obviously, like you you were big into sports, you were very successful in sports, and then you took what you learned there and, and you moved it into other areas of expertise. You, you know, you got your, your your doctorate and you became a doctor. So I want to talk about like like the elephant in the room, like the limitless pill or, you know, in today's world, Adderall. Like, yeah. Where does your pill fall into the, that scope? Are you more so the limitless pill? Are you more so on the Adderall? And what are the causes and effects? And how does it actually affect the brain? Yeah. So um, I came across it like a good year ago because I'm always looking at things, right? Obviously, I'm not a fan of any you know, pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, that's a no-no to me. Um, so I'm always looking for, you know, the natural uh, ones that have similar effects. So we all know Adderall works. I've never taken it, but I hear it all the time. It, it does the job. But obviously, you have the adverse reactions, uh, high blood pressure, which increases your risk for a heart attack, heart disease, you know, long-term use, personality disorders, and the list goes on. You can read the insert. So it's not something that I can really recommend uh, from my position. So, you know, then we look at what they call, instead of smart drugs, we look at nootropics, which are natural smart drugs, basically, without any side effects. And there's plenty on the market. But when I came across this one, I really felt this was something for me and something that I could re uh, recommend to my clients. And so there was a cancer doctor called uh, Dr. Emandi, who works at Boston Neuro and Psych. And uh, he stumbled upon this uh, patent pending active ingredient called BioCitro. Biocitroid is a terpene that comes basically or is extracted from a specific type of blood orange citrus fruit in the, uh, not the Amazon, but in the rainforest in Southeast Asia. And biocitroid at 30 milligrams is able to cross the blood-brain barrier, which means it, it has a fast effect. Once you take it 30 minutes later, you're in the zone, and we'll talk about how that works. But it only takes 30 minutes. Well, most supplements or nootropics takes weeks and weeks to build up in the system before you may feel a difference, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a big advantage. The What the company did, Claritin Z, is they added three other neuroagents 
uh, to the biocitrate. Number one, they added L-tyrosine, which is an amino acid, uh, which is known for memory, uh, focus, and function, um, you know, cognitive function. Then they added phenylalanine, uh, which is another neuroagent which helps with uh, photographic memory, focus, and creativity. And then the third one is an important one to me because it's called phos phosphatidyl, which is a healthy fat found in our body, but also in our brain because phosphatidyl promotes NGF, which is nerve growth factor. So it actually stimulates, you know, an increase in the network and in the neural connections in our brain and the neurotransmitters, because as you know, we only use a very small percentage of our brain. So this is, this is, this is like a brain enhancement because you get the neural connections. For those who watched Avatar, I can't wait till Avatar 2 comes out. When we think about the three and the connections, that's what nerve growth factor do. And so this formula enhances that aspect too. So those four ingredients are all natural. Uh, there's no side effects. They're safe. There's no jittering effects, nothing like that. But what do they do? They balance the five intelligence hormones, which are dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, serotonin, and acetylcholine, right? Mm -hmm. And so when they are balanced, when they're optimized, we actually get into the zone. I always think about Michael Jordan. He always was into the zone, right? And most of us today actually have a problem with focusing, paying attention, getting the job done, being productive because we have what I call a dopamine overload. For example, we're reaching for sugary fruits and drinks and energy drinks and coffee, which gives a squirt of dopamine. Dopamine is our reward hormone. And if we feel good, we're going to go for more and more and more. But social media really is the thing that put us in the dopamine overload uh, you know, stage, uh, not just youngsters, but ourselves at our age, we catch ourselves being too long on that social media because everybody's something, everybody, every time somebody likes your post or give a positive comment or heart your Instagram, it's a little squirt of dopamine and we like it. And that's why we want to be longer on it and find more of those dopamine squirts. But having all said all that, it puts us in a dopamine overload, which puts those five intelligent hormones out of balance. And dopamine overload causes a brain fog, uh, causes fatigue, uh, lethargy, can't focus, can't get the job done, can't finish your homework on time, can't start the project, procrastination, fidgeting, all the kind of stuff. And it's a vicious cycle that we can't get out. So besides this nootropic called Focus Plus, Focus Plus basically in 30 minutes, modulates, optimizes, and balances those hormones so we can get in the zone just in 30 minutes. And it lasts for about, I would say, six hours, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not the guy that would tell you, like, it's a, it's a silver bullet, all a fix all. It does work. But in my upcoming book, The Key to Your Success, I talk about optimizing productivity and focus, uh, freeing up valuable time and living stress-free. Hopefully, it's published by the end of this year. January the 1st, we'll see where it gets. But besides the nootropic or the quick fix, it is very important that we realize we have a dopamine overload and that we stay away from coffee and energy drinks and sugar and that we start to manage mm. our social media so we don't get into that overload and we can back to focusing. So the book said lots of tips and strategies uh, to do that. And so, you know, we can use this Focus Plus certainly to get into the zone, whether it's, 
you know, to make a killer presentation or to compete or to train to for competition or, you know, whether you want to finish your homework, it, it certainly is a helpful tool. Hmm. So, uh, and I want to, I want to kind of skin back the onion a little bit on, on what you said. I mean, obviously you brought up something and I think you, it was an article on your website about like, like the importance of having protein, right? For the brain and, and the building blocks of protein is, is amino acids, which amino is one acids, of the ingredients yeah. that, that you were talking about. So I want you to kind of talk about this in the sense, okay, like what you're describing, somebody that is into keto or in ketosis, they may say that they may get what you're describing. So what's what's the differences between, like obviously ca caffeine gets you the dopamines, right? Ketosis, I'm not sure what that does, but I know that it, it helps you to focus. And, and then yeah. you're talking about, so what's the differences between the three and what's the cause and effects and the benefits? Well, you know, again, <laughs> the bad diets, the bad drinks, uh, the sugar, the energy drinks, the coffee. You know, many times we call energy drinks and coffee stimulants, and that's a total misnomer because they're depressants, right? When we when we take something like that, initially we get an energy jolt, but where does the energy come from? We're borrowing it from our body, right? So we need to pay for that later, and that's when we can get into these depressive states, right? depressive state. And the only solution we have is drink more energy drinks or drink more coffee. Otherwise we get a withdrawal headache and all that kind of stuff. So we got to really look at those things like we're borrowing from the body. And in the long term, they're all depressants. They're certainly not stimulants. They're quite the opposite. Okay. So obviously if we can get away from, you know, the empty uh, calorie foods and drinks and uh, caffeine and energy drinks and sugar in our diets, and we balance our diet, then obviously we have a very smart solution uh, to all those effects because, you know, it's not just a depression, but it's also if the body doesn't get what it needs, you can't perform, right? You can't focus. And so when you say if we can get into a good balanced diet or even when we're in keto and we're burning those fats versus those sugars and, and rely more on lean proteins, yes, it's going to help us getting more into, you know, the... Um, the uh, zone are better focused just because we upgraded our diet, right? And so anytime we can upgrade our diet or our nutrition, it's going to affect every single cell in the body, right? Mm -hmm. So that's it. Now, if we want to... Um, if we want to get dopamine, right, let's say you're not on social media and you don't do those drinks, but you want to get into the zone because dopamine is important to get into the zone, there's obviously we need to upgrade that diet. Um, but at the same time, there's certain supplements or certain nutrients, I would say, that would help get you there, right? Uh, iron is important. Niacin is important. Folate is important. Vitamin B6 is important. So we got to make sure we have ample of those because they are basically precursors to dopamine. May, uh, certain supplements or nutrients that help us with dopamine production would be magnesium, curcumin, um, what else? Oregano extract, uh, green tea extract, and vitamin D. So those are the top of my head. Uh, some very essential nutrients for dopamine. But I'm cautious here because most of in, most of us are in the dopamine overload. Mm -hmm. So we need to first manage the overload, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I mean, again, the, the supplement will balance that mm -hmm. and, and, and modulate those five hormones. But in the long term, we want to make sure we upgrade our diet. We got, we got to make sure we have the essential nutrients in our body. 
Um, and then we still could obviously take the supplement to really get into the zone. I mean, all of athletes are on it now, not just athletes, CEOs, Silicon Valley CEOs, business people, um, you know, uh, people that need to, you know, do a presentation in front of, you know, 500 or 1,000 people if they take it 30 minutes before. They're, they're less distracted and they're more focused and they usually deliver much better. But in sports, it's, you know, I had a talk with somebody a few days ago and it was it was just about sports and it's mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing because if we think about sports many times you know uh, interviewers ask coaches you know how much of the game is mental and often the coach says you know answers anywhere between 50 and 90 percent although reality is really 90 to 100 percent because if we look at top sports right you know all those top athletes nfl boxing whatever you want to whatever you want to talk about or the nba they all got amazing physical, you know, capacities and, and they got all the, they got all skills and they all have talent or they wouldn't be there. So what makes the difference in winning? It's right up here, right? Again, I mentioned Michael Jordan. He was always in the zone. But what does that mean? Because most people have been in the zone before, but there was kind of by accident and they don't know how to reproduce that. Mm -hmm. So people like me, or top people that know how to get in the zone, know exactly how to prepare themselves to be in that zone on demand and bring your A game each and every time, whether that's sports, whether that's a presentation, whether that's crushing your sales goals or whatever it is that you do, right? And so in sports, it always makes a difference between winning and losing because, you know, I mean, I even was uh, watching with my stepdad uh, some football and they're from Belgium. So I'm explaining some of the rules, you know, of, of, of the game because it's more interesting if you know what's happening, right? So anyways, you know, they were saying like this one player had such a good game mm -hmm. last game, which is two days ago. And today he, he can't do anything. What's the difference? Obviously, his physical capabilities are still the same. He's still in shape. His skills are the same. He's distracted, right? He's not in the zone. Something happened at home. You know, something happened with his wife, with his kids. Who knows what happened, but he's not there. So he's always just a fraction of a second late. Misses the ball, things like that. So one day... They have a good day. The next day, they have a bad day. But the difference is here. And that's the difference between losing and winning. So if you're on the focus plus, you know, you're in the zone. And so what are the what are the benefits? Number one, you anticipate just a little bit faster than your competition because you're not distracted by anything. If you miss the putt in golfing, usually that carries over, that miss carries over a few more holes. If a wide receiver misses that ball or tumbles, it usually carries over a few plays. But when you're in the zone, it does not carry over to the next play because you only have the end in mind. You only are about the win at the end. And so that's being in the zone, anticipating faster, focusing better, and winning and not you know, kind of being upset about the little miss during one play because it doesn't matter. It's just moving forward to that win. And it's the same in business, same in sports. So the mental aspect in performance becomes more and more important. And I think today being in the zone is a skill or a strategy that we can have and that we can, you know, put on demand. We can actually get in the zone on demand and bring your A game when you want to. Okay. So let's play devil's advocate right here. Let's say yeah. every morning I wake up and say five o'clock and I go for a run, right? So again, you have the endorphins and you have adrenaline and, and both the chemical formula of those two kind of give you the perception of what you're describing. So I want you to kind of talk about like, what's the, the pros and cons to the benefits of that, right? Obviously if I'm getting up and I'm running and I wake up and I'm ready for my day. Like that's going to last a period of time. It may fade out. 
how long is what you're talking about lasting versus me running for 30 minutes in the morning? Yeah. And endorphins is there. For endorphins, you got to go for the long run, right? Yeah. <laughs> So you have full run. No, and endorphins, I mean, and and you know, epinephrine is is banned in sports because of its uh, you know, amazing effect on focus and on performance, right? It's banned in sports and esports. Um, so what what this does, it it balances and optimizes all five of them. So many nootropics, many smart drugs, many things that we do focuses on one or two of those intelligence hormones. And when we spike one, it has a certain effect. But it also takes the other ones out of balance. But when we talk about being in the zone, they all have to be in balance and optimal at their highest level. That's the difference. Wow. Wow. So pretty much going back to what I said earlier when I first started the show about the limitless pill, essentially, if you've ever seen that movie, yeah, what you're describing kind of falls into that, that spectrum. I mean... I, I, and and I'm, gonna be, I'm not being facetious when I say it, but I'm saying well, you take this pill, let's say within 30 minutes, color should be a little bit more vibrant. Your focus should be a little bit more detailed and you should be able to execute it at a higher level. So yeah. like, my next question is like, how long does this pill last? Is it like a two hour thing, a six hour thing? Like how six long? Six hours, about six hours. Six yeah. hours. Okay. And yeah. is there any extended release version of it? No, not yet. <laughs> yeah, six hours. I had to act. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, like, no. like why, why do six when I can do 12, right? So, yeah, yeah. Well, you take a second one if you really need 12. You don't want to take it before you go to sleep, of course, you know, because sleep's yeah. important and we need, we need a deep rest in the delta stages to repair, replenish, and renew. Um, but I mean, I know people that take two a day because they work 12 hours a day and I want to stay focused to get a lot more things done. So, just to talk about like, obviously, we talked about. Adderall and you know Adderall is something that's essentially covered by insurance, so you can get Adderall pretty cheap, right? Like, what is this thing covered by insurance? Is this something that you had to pay out of pocket? Like, what kind of price? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's all natural. Insurance doesn't cover this. Uh, it's all natural, but the price point has been dropping because BioCitroids, Citroid, uh, who extracted actually ounce per ounce costs more than gold ounce per ounce. Uh, but what uh, what the owner of the company did, he bought all the rights. Uh, in America, so he's the only one who can import it into America, mm -hmm. and so he bought he bought it in bulk, and so the price has dropped significantly. Uh, but what I would tell uh, what I would tell people, you know, is is again, um, do you have to use it every day? I mean, it depends what you do or want to do. But but in my book, there will be many tips and strategies that will help you. And then, so I usually suggest is once you really get control over your life and your agenda and the things that you are doing and you realize the dopamine overload and the fact that you should spend less time uh, on social media and upgrade your diet, you know, then you may only decide to use this Focus Plus for a competition or for a very important presentation. But on a daily basis, you know, your diet and those types of things and knowing the strategies to not get distracted. I mean, just to give you a few examples, if you're gonna have to work on a project for a few hours, you need to have a designated area in your house or at the office to do that. A lot of people today sit with the laptop in front of TV in the couch. It's not gonna work that way, right? It's gonna take 10 times longer to finish it and it's not gonna be a great result. 
Um, you can tell people if you have the designated area not to disturb you. You can uh, put your phone or you should put your phone on uh, airplane mode because you're in control of your schedule. If you need to call, great call, but don't have other people disturb you because that's a disservice to you and you being productive. Um, you can implement certain techniques that work for some people, not for others. One of them called is just an example, the Pomodoro technique, which basically says, you know, you're going to shut off all social media, put your phone in another room, and you're going to focus and work 20 minutes straight. After 20 minutes, the only thing you have in your room is a timer. You have five-minute break. Now you can go walk out and do what you got to do. Come back in. Your phone stays out. You know, uh, all notifications on your laptop are off. No, 20 minutes. And you can repeat that cycle four or five times. And so for some people, that works. So there's many tips and strategies that we can implement once we're aware of the fact that we our attention span is low. We can't focus. We are always distracted. There's there's too many incoming messages. Uh, by the way, there's research show there's 14,000 messages coming to each and every individual every single day. 14,000, right? So so we, we're distracted all the time. So we can do something about it that doesn't cost anything. It's called getting organized and implement some tips and strategies. And then, and then you don't have to use two pills per day and save yourself some money too. But no, it is affordable. And for your listeners, I would say uh, give it a try because we could talk about research in general, but research today mostly is propaganda. So you got to be very careful and you got to be very critical and, and, and exercise some critical thinking, even when you look at research. So if you have an opportunity to try it, you know, then you know. So you could actually try this for free if you go to uh, trysmartpill.com, T-R-Y-S-M-A-R-T-P-I-L-L.com. Uh, you will get two pills. What I suggest, because people ask me, what do I do with them? Well, take the first one 30 minutes before you're going to start working or start working on a project or doing your work or go work out in a gym, whatever it is. And if in 30 minutes you really don't feel anything, take that second pill right away. And then see what it does the next six hours. It will be subtle. It's again, you won't have that jittery effect. It will be a different feeling that you have, which is hard to describe. But when you when you when you start doing work, you will feel that you are more in the zone and more focused and less distracted. And if it works for you, great. There you have a tool. If it doesn't work for you, you know, don't buy it. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I think you're, you're delivering hella value and you're breaking it down because I mean, obviously, scientifically and also metaphorically as well, right? So people can kind of understand and comprehend that. But I want to talk about you for a minute, right? I mean, obviously, I think that you're a highly competitive person, right? And you're also very animated. So if you could pick three more words to describe you, what would those three words be? Me? Yeah, you. Uh, persistent, charismatic, and. Um, um, you know, caring. I love to help people. You know, that's what I do all day long. I want to do all day long. You know, very rewarding. <laughs> so let's just go for that. I mean, obviously you want to help people, but in the medical space, there's always naysayers or there's always some negativity, no matter how good you are and how long you've been that good for a period of time, something always may happen. Somebody has their opinion of that. So my next question is like, how or give me an example of like the worst case analysis or that's something that's happened to you from a particular patient that was negative, but you kind of overcame that hurdle and turned it into positive. Huh. Well, no, I mean, I'm a keynote speaker, too, so I'm, I know really well how to speak to people are showing a different perspective. And if you listen to any of my uh, speeches or look at my books, I really break it down 
to a very easy to understand level, but I also like to approach topics like health and disease from a totally different point of view and create those aha moments or paradigm shifts because we've been so ingrained by conventional medicine on how things are. We got disease. We then first thing we got to do is take drugs. If it doesn't work, let's try some injections. If that doesn't work, let's take the knife, right? And so we're also ingrained. And if the doctor says there's nothing we can do, then apparently there's nothing we can do, but they don't realize the doctor has a very, very small toolbox with three or four little things in it that they don't know much about, and it's all about disease. And then there's there's millions of things outside of the toolbox that it doesn't know about. But of course, the doctor will say there's nothing we can do, right? And so I always try to shift people's paradigm and look at things from a different perspective. So if come, somebody comes to me with something negative, I immediately will turn it into a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, you can't teach pigs to sing, they say too. So people that don't want help, I really can't help uh, SA. I try, but if they don't want help, I can't help them, right? There's in, in order to create a habit or a new lifestyle, there's three components, right? There's there's knowledge, there's skill, and there's willingness. Mm-hmm. I can give them the knowledge. I can help them with the skills, but I can't make them want it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's important. Once people are willing to make a change or be healthier or, you know, fulfill their dreams or be successful in business or have a better personal life, when they're willing and they're seeking truly for help, I mean, there's, there's you know, there's no end to what we can do. You know, we become limitless at that point. But if they're forced to come because their wife told them to, uh, it's not going to work. Hmm. So, I mean, I think it's definitely interesting. I mean, you're saying that you're your early 50s and you're saying that you were swimming from eight. So I want to know kind of like how long did it take you to get to where you are? And obviously you talked about like your swimming career, but obviously in that journey, there must have been a switch to where you wanted to come more on the medical side. So how long have you been in the medical space? Well, I came from the from Belgium to the U.S. as a licensed physical therapist. So uh, after the 96 Olympic Games, they were short of physical therapists in the United States. So a recruiter called me and says, hey, do you want to come uh, work over here? We're short of therapists. And I was only in my 20s. And uh, of course, I want to. So he said, where do you want to work? I said, Fort Lauderdale. He said, why? Be- I said, because I know all the bars, because that's where we went for training camps. The Swimming Hall of Fame is there, right? I'm in my 20s. So then two weeks later, they called back. I said, I can't find anything in Fort Lauderdale, but I have a position right now in Ormond Beach. So I go, excuse me. He says, Ormond Beach. I said, I don't know where that is, but the beach sounds fine, which is just off of Daytona. So that's where I ended up. Um, So then I started working as a physical therapist, but I got exposed to acupuncture, oriental medicine, and I got very interested in it. So I went back to school to the Florida College of Integrative Medicine three-year program. I got my license in acupuncture, board certified in Chinese herbs, homeopathy, etc. And that's when I really started to integrate both. And uh, like I said earlier, even though they're less invasive, I really didn't see lasting results either. So then I decided to get my PhD in uh, holistic nutrition. I really started looking at Mother Nature because even today, if you don't know the answer, just look at animals in the wild and you know exactly what to do. And usually it's the opposite of what the doctor tells you. And so then I got really confident in the fact that I can help anybody with their health. I'm, I'm very confident in that. And so um, finally, later in life, the last you know five, 10 years maybe, I really was able to surround myself with... Um, you know, with people with the similar mindset 
but also what I call mentors, people that mm. that were successful in the area before me, uh, people that I take advice from. And so one of the things that I preach now really is like, you know, we need those people in our lives to get to our highest potential. You can't do it by yourself, right? So um, this was just a few weeks ago. I had a podcast and apparently there were 30 high school students live in the studio of, of the host. And so they wanted me to share one message with them. And the message was basically this is because it's bigger than biohacking or being healthy. It's the purpose of your life. Because most people, not just high school kids, but even 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, we still didn't figure it out. And it's because we're really pushed in this one direction, right? Mm-hmm. We, we feel we have to go to school and then we get pushed into college and then we got to work till we're 65. And then supposedly the golden years come and we can buy an RV and travel around. But you know, a stroke prevents that usually, right? So, and and our parents push us in certain directions. Dad's a lawyer, so we got to go to law school. Uh, mom's uh, uh, went to uh, med school, but she failed, so she wants to live vicariously through you, and so you need to go to med school. Or you need to do this or that because that makes money, and so you can provide for your family. And so all these kids are pushing that direction. And so we never fulfill purpose of life. And that's why we have also, in my opinion, you know, an, an, an amazing amount of people that are anxious and depressed because we're not fulfilling a purpose in our life. And so um, I really encourage people to sit down and ask themselves, what is it that I'm passionate about? What is the superpower that I wanted when I was a kid? What are the dreams about who I wanted to be? Because at that point, when we were a kid, we were convinced we could be that person, you know? But then somebody told us it was impossible. And so most of us settled for ordinary while some of us continue to chase those dreams. So, you know, I tell people we really need to figure out what our purpose in life is, then make a plan or a strategy and attack all the obstacles and surround yourself with the team of of experts that you need to make those dreams come true. And that's what a lot of my mentoring is about. make them accountable and make those dreams come true and set that plan and set that strategy. Yeah, I'm happy you said that because I mean, obviously you're talking about mentors and I think you put a keyword in there uh, about family. And I think we haven't talked about this yet. It's like, obviously with your upbringing, right? You came from overseas at eight years old, highly competitive. Are you coming from like, descendants of a family that represents who you are right now? Were your parents highly motivated? Were they highly competitive? Were they entrepreneurs as well? No, not at all. That's why I didn't really have a mentor or a guide. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm plugging in my laptop before you lose me. Is the lighting still okay? Yep. All right. So, uh, no, uh, uh, I grew up in a single family home, me and my brother. And my mother worked very hard uh, all day long to provide for us. Um, and uh, luckily, my grandparents lived uh, within walking distance. So often we ended up having dinner there while my mom was still at work. So, um, no, she just worked an eight to five job. Um, and so, you know, I, when I went to university, I, I uh, did private swim lessons and I was a DJ to try to make money to pay for my studies. Luckily in Europe, it's much cheaper to go to university than over here. So, um, after I graduated, at first I did physical education first years because I loved sports and it was fun. But what are you going to do with that, right? Besides becoming a PE teacher or a medical rep, which is certainly not what I want to do. Um, I decided to do physical therapy after. And so the physical therapy basically allowed me to uh, come to the United States 
because uh, they were short of physical therapists. And that's why I saved $400, packed my backpack and came over here. But uh, yeah, it was a big struggle in the beginning. Yeah, credit score zero, $400 and no mentors. So uh, I got knocked down many times. But again, I mean, that's one of my things. Uh, the glass is always half full and uh, I'm relentless. Um, but but I'm a stage in life where I feel, you know, people don't have to go through that if they have a mentor. Uh, okay. if, if somebody can show them the pitfalls and accelerate the process and show them how to do it, you know, you're going to save yourself a decade if you have a good mentor and you're going to, you know, reach your highest potential if you surround yourself with the right people. I, I love that. I love that. So, I mean, I mean, based upon that, obviously, like you're, you're a parent as well and you have two daughters and I think that they're probably the information that I, that I saw online, they're at least in college or past college, right? Yes, so 20 I want you to kind of, 22. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, they're definitely up there, right? So I want you to kind of talk about that. Like being that that was your upbringing, you're a highly motivated individual. Like, again, I, I would think by default, you're instilling this into your kids. So how has your journey affected your kids? I mean, they've been with you for 20 something years. And like you said, you're 50. So roughly everything we've been talking about has been happening while they were around. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, they're they're a little bit like me. They they challenge. They do critical thinking. They hear me talk all the time about health, right? When they're in the home, even if I'm on the call or helping a patient or doing something like this, they always have been listening in. And so, you know, I'm proud of them because in school, especially public school now, it's nothing but indoctrination, right? So, you know, I remember a few instances where they said, okay, everybody writes a report on the benefits of GMO. So my daughter comes on and says, well, I thought there are no benefits. I said, no. I said, so, so write the dangers about GMO and make sure you, you know, put the references in so you don't get a bad grade, right? Because our teachers are, you know, getting the agenda from uh, the government, obviously. And so they are pushing certain agendas, in my opinion. And so same with global warming. That was the other dollar, you know, we, we had to, they had to, you know, talk about global warming and how, how it's going to affect the earth and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I basically certainly taught them to do critical thinking and also always look at, you know, don't just accept things, whether it's from a teacher or a mentor or mm-hmm. on the news or on the TV or reading in the book, just because it's printed doesn't mean it's true. Um, same with research. I always tell people, ah, you know, you can find in research what you're looking for. And it's almost always true. So if you want to find that, you know, you know, product or nutrients ABC has effects, you know, X, Y, Z, you probably can find it. But then I tell people, see if you Google uh, in PubMed, Google the opposite and see if what, if what you find then, right? <laughs> and so many times you find that too. You find a hundred articles that show that cold laser works and you find a hundred that says it doesn't work. So now, now we critical thinking, right? So now we got to go a little bit behind. Okay. Who, who funded the research and who's involved and why did they do the research? So critical thinking, especially for our younger generation is very important. um, I think, and I think, you know, them listening even unconsciously or passively through the years, you know, they're a little bit of a, a rebel like myself, and I like that, right? I like that. It's challenging, challenging what people say, or at least not, not, not in a bad way, but you know, trying to learn and listening. Listening is important. Um, that was one of my problems when I was younger, right? We're all opinionated when you when we're younger. But once, uh, once, still one of my favorite books, uh, Stephen R. Covey, Seven Hab- Habits of Highly Effective People, number five. You know. Uh, Listen to understand, then be understood, right? Mm-hmm. So let people finish. Don't interrupt them because 
They're looking at things from a different perspective, try to understand why they're saying the things they're saying, and then you can come up with a good argument or you can simply agree to disagree. But when you never try to listen and understand their perspective, you're never going to learn. If you only talk, you never learn. If I talk all day, I didn't learn all day, right? It's only when you listen, you can learn. So it's those types of things uh, that we really installed in them because Stephen Covey also has one for teenagers that he put the same principle teenagers. So, you know, those are the things that I would buy for a, a present for them, you know, to uh, to educate them that way. Um and not just depend on on the teachers in school. I mean, I, I love that. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a segue to, to like my next question. I mean, like that's a hell of a recommendation. And whoever has not read that book, I would say definitely get your hands on it. Yeah. So let's say in the past 30 years, is, is there any other landmark book that you could think about that you would like to recommend to the listener to kind of help them to get to the level of success that you are? Oh, there's so many books, right? <laughs> I mean, it's all the motivational books and they get you going for a little bit. And that's why you got to continue to do, uh, you know, self-development and reading and listening to podcasts. I guess a lot of people don't really read books anymore. We listen to guys like you and get a lot of information in a lot less time, right? You just put in your topic and, and you got the audio books when you drive, you know. Yep. Um, so you try to do those things. But um no, from a health point of view, what really changed my life was a book of the early 1900s written in Old English mm. called Human Life uh, and Its Laws by Herbert L. Shelton. It's a big, big, huge book, but all the truths about health were known in the early 1900s, but those truths don't make any money, right? Hmm. Um, so what I did with that book, that's, that motivated me to write my first book because I took the principles in that book and I basically put them into our society and our, you know, culture right now versus the early 1900s. So that's a book that certainly changed my life. Um, yeah, Stephen Colby probably was my first one that really had me, you know, thinking about, uh, about those types of things, but you know, we can talk about, obviously, Think and Grow Rich, Poor Daddy, yeah. uh, you know, all the classicals that everybody, especially our young people, should, should you know, should read, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you, you, you're you well-read. You read multiple different books, but you've also published a pretty significant handful of books as well, too, right? I mean, the, your latest one was, um, was it EMR, which is Electric Magnetic Radiation, right? Mm -hmm. Which right. is like a whole other topic that we haven't even in, in spoke about yet. So I want you to kind of talk about that book and, and, and what's the, the effect of someone reading that book? What should they get if they would have that book in their hands? Yeah, I think uh, what I'm writing now, I think is book number eight. So the EMR was uh, published beginning of this year actually was a bestseller on Amazon. Um, but um, yeah, I uh, I knew it existed myself during COVID. And I said, well, I need to know more about it because I didn't. And once I got started reading more about it, I got really alarmed because it's a much bigger problem than we assume. And it's probably because that's why the subtitle is the invisible threat. We can't see it. We can hear it. We can smell it. We can't touch it. So most of us don't think it doesn't exist, right? But now there's plenty of research, uh, over 30,000 peer-reviewed studies uh, that show 
that uh, the non-ionizing radiation, which we always assumed wasn't harmful, also indirectly causes free radical damage and DNA damage. And the non-ionizing radiation is what? It's our Wi-Fi, it's our cell phones, it's our smart appliances, our Bluetooth, all that kind of stuff. So yes, X-rays and gamma rays, you know, we knew they caused damage, but we're not exposed to them often, maybe once a year for half a minute. But these non-ionizing radiation devices 24-7, we've been bothered with it. So I really got alarmed uh, by doing my own research, and that's why I said, damn, I got to share this information. But all my books, the last chapter is always a to-do list, a check-off list. So my books are more like do-it-yourself type of books where people can get all the tips and strategies to implement, and in this case, to mitigate or try to reduce the exposure to this radiation. What do you do with your cell phone? What do you do inside your house? How can you protect yourself? So that's what this is about. And so there's hundreds of things in that specific book that you can do at no cost inside the house, outside the house to really reduce the radiation coming from those devices. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting. I mean, like the dawn of the where technology is right now probably didn't really happen until like the last 10 to 15 years. So like the studies that you're talking about are like they're probably now starting to come to the 20 year mark to say that these are the causes and effects and the side effects of it. Yes. So I'm going to ask you like, like, like a personal, okay, it's not going to be like a medical on the record question. Do you think that because of technology and its advancements in the last 20 years, do you think that the reverse is going to happen as far as like, if you go back to the thirties and forties, people were dying a lot younger because they didn't really have the medication for it. And then as time progressed, people were living longer into the eighties and nineties. Do you think that this next generation may have a shorter lifespan because of the side effects of what we're now learning? Yeah, uh, for sure. And it's not just, it's just the technology is the accumulation of the, you know, the, 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 the food and the drinks, I mean, nothing, nothing's healthy anymore. So it's obviously the combination of all of those things. But uh, people, you know, it's very hard because a smart technology and computer assisted living, you know, comes with all the conveniences. We, we certainly overlook the health ramifications of it. And, uh, you know, when people say, oh, it's G4 and now it's going to be you know, a, a 4G, now it's going to be 5G. It's not just the next step or it's not just double. It's exponentially a thousand times more and the 4G is not going to go away. The 4G stays, the 5G is just on top of the 4G. And so it's not just two times more radiation or four times. No, it's it's like exponentially a thousand times more radiation. And so our body is not designed for that. So even now when those 5G towers are going up, you know, we see already... And there's plenty of research, people can look it up, that the uh, the animals that are uh, migrating, migratory birds and dolphins and whales and even elephants in Asia, they're, they're migrating in the wrong direction because the man-made frequencies are now interfering with the natural frequencies of the earth. And apparently, you know, animals end up at G5 towers versus at where they were supposed to be going and migrating. So it's it's becoming really significant and you can already observe it. But to answer your questions in, a, in broader terms is I believe there's only one cause of all disease and it's called toxemia. Toxemia literally means toxins in the blood, but what it really, really means is the following. As part, of, as part of living, as part of our daily metabolism, we obviously produce toxins and waste products in our body. But in a healthy organism, those waste products are eliminated through the body so no harm is done. All right. But today, I believe we're in a very peculiar situation in which we ingest 
and are exposed to far more toxins than the body possibly can eliminate. So now we have an accumulation of toxins in our blood and our body. And that's what's called toxemia. Now, toxemia does two things in our body. Number one, it causes free radical damage because those toxins steal electrons from healthy atoms, which then become unstable, which are called free radicals, right? Which cause damage on a, a cellular level. And number two, these toxins floating around in our body cause a constant state of emergency. And in conventional medicine, we call it systemic inflammation. And even conventional medicine now agrees that over 90%, it is 100, but over 90% of all disease is directly correlated to systemic inflammation. So toxemia is the cause of all disease. So there's only one solution. We need to keep toxemia in check. We need to control it. How do we do that? We need to minimize the ingestion and exposure to toxins, whether they come from man-made foods and drinks, pharmaceutical drugs, our environment, polluted air, polluted water, electromagnetic radiation, and the list goes on, and simultaneously increase the nutrients that effectively combat free radical damage, DNA damage, and systemic inflammation. And if we can keep that in check, we will be healthy. Even, even in a society where we bombarded uh, or have an onslaught of these toxins, if we want to stay healthy and if we want to still, you know, biohack and have the 100 be the new 30, we certainly need to focus on mitigating uh, these toxins and keeping toxemia in check. But if we don't do that, you're 100% correct. You know, the CDC even probably 10 years ago already actually said once, and not that I go by what the CDC says, but they even said, <laughs> they even said one time, this will be the first generation in which parents will outlive their children. Hmm. You know, and that's a scary thought, but we yeah. can control that, right? We're in control of our own habits, our own lifestyle, our own health. Um, and, you know, even of our own genetics, because that's the area of epigenetics, right? Yeah. Genetic predisp predisposition always becomes an, an excuse of not doing something about your health issues. Uh, but we we have now the science of epigenetics. So, so I, I think this is a, it's a fascinating conversation, right? And so it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, right? And I, and I was I was being a smart ass and I was saying, okay, it's the limitless pill and that was sci-fi. It wasn't in existence. But now the product that we're talking about today kind of brings that into a real world and you're, you're saying that that's healthy, right? So let's take what we're talking about now as far as like the genetics, right? And it, it being mutated and the human body being very overly adapted over a period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Are we not in a stage that possibly we could have mutations versus deaths into where people could kind of probably live longer or have other side effects based upon what's going on versus yeah. the negative? Like, I mean, again, it's going into sci-fi, yeah. but the reality is much like we didn't have the limitless pill and now we kind of do. Is that a possibility for us as humanity to then evolve? Yeah, I think natural mutations would take much longer. It's not going to happen over a few centuries. Yeah. That would take much longer, right? But uh, our 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 current technology and knowledge uh, allows us to again do what I call biohacking, and that then allows us to modify our genes and our genetic expression. So, in biohacking, biohacking obviously in, in in my opinion it's 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 on the edge of health, but it's a very structured field and there's many congresses and conventions and I I just talked at one in uh, Miami. 
So when we talk about biohacking, there's different levels of biohacking. So there's three levels. Number one, biomodulation. So those are things that give us a slight shift or modulate our bodily functions. For example, healthy food, uh, high-quality supplement, light, cold therapy, sauna. They just create an adaptive response that makes our body just a little bit stronger. So that's biomodulation. The next step is bioenhancement. So bioenhancement is more external substances that give a more dramatic effect. Examples are bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, BHRT, when our hormones drop as we age, or stem cell-based therapies when the quantity and quality of our stem cells in our body drastically declines. Both of them, you know, uh, controlled by our, you know, genetics. But these therapies, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and stem cell-based therapies, they bring us beyond, you know, that genetic, uh, you know, uh, coding, you know, uh, and, and, and we go beyond that, right? So that's basically genetic uh, not, uh, you know, uh, bioenhancements. And then the third step uh, is a little bit scarier is biotransformation. And what that means is those are permanent changes. And an easy example is a pacemaker, right? But also, for example, bionic limbs that now today operate with greater effectiveness and efficiency than any biological limb, right? Or um, merging our brain with computers, uh, such as Neuralink or cochlear implants for deafness or computer chips in the brains of Parkinson's patients to help them with their debilitating effect. And then there's genetic modification, meaning replacing bad genes with good genes. And then there's genetic engineering, which is editing out all diseases. And so, but if, if becoming a modern day cyborg is not your cup of tea, you still can stick with biomodulation and bioenhancement. Because the last one, biotransformation, that's a little bit the transhumanism movement. And I, that's what I'm personally a little bit scared of uh, because that's merging, that, you know, that's why we had to watch the movies, The Terminator and those types of things, yeah. right? Is merging technology with the biology of our human body. So, okay, so this next question is, okay, this is 20 years from now, right? Obviously, you're in the space of, of biohacking, and then you're talking about technology, and technology essentially multiplies and triples in a short period of time. So over the next 20 years, right, where we were in 1998, 2000 until now, it's night and day difference with technology. So 20 years from now, where do you see your what you're doing right now and the effect on the world around you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, politically and, and everything that's going on there between but, but, between the, the evil and the good on the world, I, I can't speak to, uh, to, to how that's going to evolve. But pure yeah. from a scientific point of view, if, if, if everything keeps going, what's going, uh, you can actually refer to the, I believe, the February issue of Time magazine 2011. It says uh, singularity by 2030. So we're only eight years away. What that means is that scientists uh, predicted that by 2030, we will be able to live to 142 years old, but not being diseased, actually in good health. And that has to do with the fact that we can use stem cells and biohacking technologies to repair, regenerate, and renew and reverse that aging, right? So that was already said in 2011 on Time Magazine. 2030 is the year of singularity. Singularity means immortal, but with immortal, we mean 142 years old, right? Uh, what I believe is that 
uh, because you went a little bit further 20 years from now, right? So in 2040, 45, I believe that 100 can be the new 30. So our chrono chronological age can be 100, but we are doing things that a 30-year-old do now. So we can go skiing, we can go wakeboarding, we can go hiking, and we feel like a 30-year-old because our biology continues to renew and repair. And so there's going to be a huge discrepancy between our chronological age and our biological age. I think I think it's, it's a phenomenal statement of what you're talking about. And I think the thing that we need to talk about as far as including this with technology would be like biotechnology as far as like nanobots. Like once you get to like the nanotechnology, and that, that's something that, that we're working on right now, and you're talking about repairing cells on a micro level, that can kind of compound itself a lot, like 10 times faster than 20, 30 years. I mean, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, you still got Tesla and you still get the people that are waiting for the Mets bet, this miraculous bet. That, that apparently exists and the aliens brought to Earth. But the med bed is, is something you lay in and it just does all that, right? But the med bed is based on three principles uh, that Tesla basically told us. It's energy, it's frequency, and it's vibration. Mm -hmm. And so when we have those, we can continually uh, repair, renew, and you know and promote longevity and so people are waiting for that but you don't have to wait because we have those three components already available we have we can change our energy we can play with energy there's many uh energy medicine devices out there not just devices i mean uh tips and techniques and exercises and things that we can do we have frequency medicine out there i mean i even have hydrogen infused water that are at frequencies too i have an anti-aging anti bed cover that are at frequencies too and then vibration we all know about the vibration platforms and the importance of you know movement to get our lymphatic and cardiovascular system going so those three principles that supposedly are the part of one med bed, we can practice. So there's no need to wait. These things are there. Let's 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 use them to you know, reverse our biological age. So let's just say the listener, right? Let's say it's a 35-year-old listener listening to this right now. And obviously, for the first time hearing this, this level of conversation, their mind is blown. It's kind of like they didn't even know these things exist. And they're listening to you, they're just like, yeah. holy shit, the world is not what I thought it was. What words of wisdom do you want to instill in them? Because again, we're talking to business people. So like essentially you're talking about living forever, living to 140. I want this person to imagine what would it be like if, if Rockefeller lived to 140, right? What would it look yeah. like if all these historical people that have established the world that we live in right now had lived that long? I want you to deliver a, a value proposition to them to let them know what your thoughts are to move forward. I just did one this morning. He's a very... Uh... A uh, successful businessman that I met last year, and he lives on a multi-million dollar mansion on the beach, and he also has very nice sports cars, but he's getting a day older. And when I met him, uh, he was asking what I was doing to stay in shape because he was in shape. He went to the gym, but he was very interested in, 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 in what I had to say. So I actually texted him, you know, not an hour before I, I got on the show here, and I said, Look. You know, you need to become my mentee because because I was going through my list, right? Because you're always upgrading your business because you want to be the best you can be. You're upgrading your house. You're upgrading your sports car every time that you're upgrading. Sport. What about upgrading yourself? 
right? Because you're forgetting that. And you don't need to know how to do that because I can show you how to upgrade yourself. And then we then, then we both remembered an incident that happens at one of the car shows uh, that we were, and this is probably two years ago. Um, but you have this, this, this very successful older, I'd just say 65-year-old man that's a little bit overweight, very successful, has his Ferrari, and he goes into the event and he tries to, because Lamborghini, yeah, it was a Lamborghini. Yeah, it was a Lamborghini and you could kind of, it was there at this place. You could go sit in it and kind of feel good. He went in it, he couldn't get out because you know how low they are. Yeah. All right. So he had to crawl out on his knees. And I said, that's exactly the problem. He's successful in business. He's got the nicest car, but he's not taking care of himself. Right. So you're upgrading your business. You're upgrading your tools, your toys, you know, you're upgrading your life when it comes to the, you know, the um, the morbid aspects. But what about you? Do you want to don't you want to be around longer to so you got to upgrade yourself. So business people out there, even young people see because you said 35 and when you're 35, you still may be feeling invincible, especially if you're in shape. Right. But here's the thing what people misunderstand. We always think that aging is linear. A year, a year, a year. That's a big mistake because aging is exponential. Once you get 40, 50, and one, once one thing in your body starts giving out or not operating well, it's a cascade and it's exponentially, right? So the last 10 years of your life go much faster downhill than between 30 and 40. Between 30 and 40, it's a slow aging process. 40, 50, it's a little bit faster. 50, 60, faster. So people need to realize aging is not linear, it's exponential. So to counteract aging, you can't do it linearly. You got to do it exponentially. So the sooner you start, the further you're going to reach. You, if you want to reach that 142 and feel like a 40-year-old, then you, you better start because you got to do it exponentially. I think that's a, that's a great statement. So like what you said earlier, we're talking about by 2030, right? So essentially in the next 10 years. So you're talking about not the baby boomers, probably the X generation, Y generation, Z generation are all going to potentially have the capabilities to live to 140. Yeah. And I believe we too. I believe we too. Um, because see, the thing is, people are listening. This is important to listen to because we got our conventional medicine people listening. We got people that, you know, that like science and like research listening to. So we can do this objectively. We didn't touch upon that there, right? Because there's many objective tests that we can do to set the baseline. Then we implement our strategies and our tools and our technologies and our compounds. And six months or a year later, we can measure again. So the top biohackers in this country, it, it's becoming a competition already. In other words, how many years did you shave of your biological life in 2021? And this is becoming a competition now because we can objectively measure it. How can we measure it? Genetic testing. Epigenetic testing, most people probably heard about telomeres, so we can measure our telomere length. The telomeres are the end caps of our chromosomes that protect our DNA in each and every cell. And as we age, you know, uh, the, uh, they shorten and shorten because every time a cell divides, the uh, telomere is not fully copied, so it loses some of its length. And so when, the, uh, when all the length is lost, the cell cannot divide anymore and it's considered a zombie cell. It's just a dead cell. It can't do anything anymore, right? So that's the aging process. So you can measure today with a simple DNA sample 
on what the length of your telomeres is, then incorporate you know, strategies, biohacking strategies, X, Y, Z, and measure it again. And if your telomere length is longer, you are reversing your biological age. And so we can, you know, objectively measure that, which yeah. is pretty cool. Besides those types of testing, we can do bio gut testing. We can obviously do regular lab work. Uh, we can do all types of things, body composition analysis to set a baseline and to see how we are progressing with the biohacking. So, you know, we, we can objectively measure this. So, I mean, I think you, you wrote up telomeres and you're talking about like once they get to a certain length, they become zombie state. So using the terminology of zombie, can you reanimate those cells or is the technology being developed to reanimate them? Um, well, yeah, we want to, anything that's alive um, always strives for perfect health. Any, any cell in your body, will. It's, it's a law of human nature, the law of self-preservation. But in our in-health society the body in order for the body not to die it's going to compensate right so when you drink a diet coke or a regular coke the acidity is so high you know like three between three and five ph you know that that your body immediately goes into a state of emergency because it has to find alkalizing minerals to neutralize that because the pH of our body, of our blood is 7.35, 7.45. If it goes out of that range, we're in big trouble. So every time we do something silly, you know, the body compensates for that. But what if you're not on a, on a good diet and you don't have those minerals available to neutralize that acidity of your coke, well, then your body needs to borrow those minerals from your own body. So it's going to get magnesium from your muscles. Hence, uh, you're always going to be tired and fatigued and have restless leg syndromes and all those types of things. And it's going to borrow calcium from your bones, hence osteopenia, osteoporosis, right? Mm. So that's just one example of how your body does whatever it takes to keep you alive. And we don't even realize that it's doing that, right? Because it takes time to realize like, oh, my bones are brittle because your body <laughs> your body has been borrowing uh, from it uh, to keep you alive. Mm. Um, you know, so... so uh, when we are alive, our body, as you know, some cells replace themselves every day and other, it takes about three months. So pure physically speaking, every X amount of months, we're a totally different person. So people say, how can we turn around, you know, years of, you know, degeneration and ill health? We can turn around pretty fast because if we do the right things, you know, we can start replacing those ill health cells with the right parts. Right. I always give this. Um, this is one of those aha moments for very for very many people when I talk about health and give them a little different perspective. I like to tell them that, you know, show them health on a cellular level. We have about 75 trillion cells in our body. We can't comprehend that number. It's more than the stars in the entire galaxy. And every single one of them performs a few million chemical reactions per second. So if you want to know how many chemical reactions there occur in our body at any given second, you simply have to multiply 75 trillion with a few million. So next time somebody asks you if you're busy as a, you just say yes, extremely, right? <laughs> but each and every one of those cells has 100,000 receptors on its outer membrane. Mm -hmm. And the RNA or the messenger constantly tells those receptors, hey, I need vitamin C. Hey, I need omega-3. So those receptors now stick out the neck in the extracellular environment to find that vitamin C. But what if due to our SAD, standard American diet, that vitamin C is not available? Then our cells have to settle for 
less potent, incompatible nutrients. It's like we have an original piece of paper and we make a copy and then we make a copy of that copy. And after a few times, we can't read it anymore. Same happens on a cellular level. We get incompatible nutrients. So the cell now is going to degenerate and mutate, which is disease and cancer. That's how simple it is. But it also teaches us one last thing. We don't have to be health freaks to be in optimal health because people assume I am and I'm not. But with this little example on cellular health, it teaches us that we need to give our body all the essential nutrients it needs on a daily basis so it can repair, replace, replenish, and renew itself. Mm-hmm. And if we do that, it's okay to have the taco on Tuesday and the beer on Saturday. But the problem is that 99% of us only eat the bad stuff. And now the cells are forced to replace themselves with incompatible nutrients and cause degeneration and mutation, and that's disease, right? So, so as long as our cells are alive, we can take those bad incompatible parts back out and put the right ones back in, and the cell will become optimal, high quality again. But once it's dead, it's dead. Damn. I mean, with that, 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 that I mean, obviously, like I'm almost speechless because I mean, the way you, you, I can visually see the representation of what you're, you're defining, and it makes perfect logical sense. So let's say the listeners listening right now, and everyone is probably their mouth is on the floor, and you have to roll up your tongue and, and close your mouth from drooling from all this this data that you delivered. How does someone get in contact with you? Where would you like them to reach out to you? Is it on social media, your website, where? Yeah, very easy. I'm I'm not the biggest social media guy. I need some help there. But um, I got a website. It's called biohackingunlimited.com or MVT. My name, Mike Van Thielen, but MVTonline.com. Same website. On the website, my books are there. My speaking bio, speaking experiences are there. But most importantly, right now, um, as long as I can, I have a 20-minute free Zoom call that you can schedule on the calendar right there on the page. Uh, And the purpose of that is if you schedule a Zoom call with me, I'll see where you are in health, which state you are, where you want to be, and how I can help you. We would initiate a plan and a strategy and put you in uh, one of my mentorship programs. So you can check out my mentorship programs also. And so that's why I'm offering a 20-minute Zoom call. And I would say that 80% of my clients' SA are, are for health reasons because that's my background and credentials. But more and more people are now just... Uh, wanting me to mentor them through business to be successful. I don't care what the business is because it's about a plan and a strategy and it's about finding the wrong people and it's about being accountable and it's about not taking on projects that don't help you further your goals and say no to people and those types of things and I make them accountable every week and I'll stick with them and coach them until they reach their goals, whether that's business or personal life. Uh, so yeah, biohackingunlimited.com and for that bill, try smartpill.com to get a free sample. Wow. Wow. So going into like a couple of bonus questions and and I'm, I'm dying to hear your answer for this. And I always say, this is like my signature question and I have no idea where you're going with this, right? If you could spend 24 hours with anyone, right? This person could be someone that's dead or someone that's alive. You have a 24 hour window uninterrupted. Who would you want to spend those 24 hours with and why? Probably Gandhi. (laughs) Uh, just because it's one of my, I would say, if I have a weakness, mm-hmm. I, I already have, I already have the knowledge, but I don't have the skill, and I have the willingness, because all my education and life too, it's based on the physical aspect of the body, and I have witnessed the power of the mind many times, right? And so, yes, it's about meditation and and those types of things to get more neural connections, but also get get in contact with this 
you know, everything that's out there, because that's where geniuses get pull that information for. That's where inventions come from. And I believe that. And I've witnessed many crazy things. I witnessed a 70 year old doing 19 one on push ups, and he doesn't even look strong. And I just asked him, How do you do that? Because I only can do one. <laughs> and uh, he said, It's weightless to me. I can do 100 if you want to, because do it with the mind. Another example is, um, there was this uh, 60, 70-year-old overweight swimmer from the Czech Republic. But he wasn't really a swimmer. He was abused in his, as a kid by his father. And when he jumped in a body of water, he felt safe because his father couldn't get to him. So he felt good in waters. If you look him up, he swam all the rivers in the world, the Amazon, the Ganges, which according to scientists and doctors is impossible, humanly impossible. And this is a guy that's not educated, so he's not verbally educated, so he, he, he doesn't know. So when they ask him questions, how do you do it? He basically says, well, in the beginning, I was just singing music or counting. And then after a while, I could go as far as I want because I felt like I wasn't in my body. I was watching myself swimming. He couldn't explain it, but he came to that state in mind. And just imagine, that you have that power. So yeah. that's why, you know, people like Gandhi or even Joe Dispenza, which is like, mm. you know, one of the authorities on rewiring the brain today. Uh, people like that I like to spend a day with because that's where I need to upgrade myself. Mm. You know, Gandhi was more particular not in upgrading the brain, but in really being like, you know, you, you can take everything I have, but not me or not my freedom or my dignity or my thinking, right? And so it, it's one thing to say that and one thing to really feel like that when they strip you of everything. That's a big difference right there, you know? Yeah. It's being, yeah. that in, being in inner peace. Inner peace means you're in a state and in a present where nothing or nobody can disrupt your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, to me, that's the ultimate skill. And I got a little bit to go there. So I'd like to spend time with some, some people that mastered that already. Well, I mean, I talked about, about mastering. I mean, obviously you mastered multiple different things in, in, in the lifespan that you've had so far. So like my next question is, is what is your most significant achievement to date? Well, yeah, uh, difficult, right? Uh, achievement is, I think, having the... Um, having the knowledge and the drive to really help other people's take control of their health. And that's kind of, you know, I've always been spearheading the health freedom movement, which basically means is, you know, the doctors are not helping you anymore. Uh, God bless them, but they don't know anything about health. Um, you know, and so, so I, I encourage people like, don't depend on others, you know, just heal yourself. And so health freedom means it's like, you have the choice. You know, unlike animals who don't have the freedom to choose their response, we have the freedom to choose our response so we can take control of our own health. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know how to, there's functional medicine doctors, there's people like me, there's health coaches that can push you in the right directions. But don't blame the FDA. Don't blame the big pharma. Don't blame the CDC, the FDA or your parents for your genetics. You know, stop blaming and take responsibility for your own health and decide whether you want to be sad and sorry uh, or sick, sad and sick, or if you want to be healthy and happy. And so that's health freedom. So I feel very uh, honored and very uh, grateful to be in a position where I feel comfortable. I really can help lots of people, you know, choose health freedom and take control of their own life.
Wow. So I think you, you brought up a, a solid keyword about, you know, essentially just being happy. And I'm just kind of recapping in my memory when I was doing my due diligence before the show. In Instagram, there was a picture of both your daughters and you guys were in Brussels. And you made a comment about waffles with Nutella. <laughs> like this is kind of off topic, kind of like, you yeah, know, on the funny good. side. But I, I want to know, like, what is it with waffles and Nutella? <laughs> yeah, what is it? Well, you know, of course, Belgians know for its chocolate. Nutella is not the best chocolate, obviously. Uh, you really have much better chocolate. And then Brussels are Belgians known for waffles. Now, Belgians themselves not necessarily eat a lot of waffles. And there's two types of waffles, the Bel the Brussels waffles, which are the soft ones. Mm. And then you have the more dense sugary ones, which are the Liège waffles. They're obviously better because they're sugary, right? And then you put chocolate on there. So if you're a tourist and you go to Bruges or Antwerp or Brussels, you will find them everywhere, right? Because that's what they're selling. That's what Belgians known for, uh, the waffles and the chocolate. And of course, the beer too. Belgians known for its beers. So it's certainly a delic uh, uh, you know, a, a, a very yummy thing to eat over there. So Not healthy. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. So going into into closing, I mean, obviously, I like the fact. I mean, I can tell that you're a foodie as well, too. We we could talk about food probably all day, just by the way you describe that. So going into closing, like in this podcast, I love to give whoever I'm interviewing an opportunity to become the host of the show. So now the Boston Cage Podcast is your show. I'm your guest. Do you have any questions that you'd like to ask me? Oh man, you're you're different than most people. I like it. Uh, well, what question I would ask you is, um, you know, as a after you heard all this, what are you going to do about about your health and by about your biological age? Well, for me, I mean, I just you know, because I, I like I'm not a doctor by all means, but I, I definitely dibble in science, so I definitely understand like all the terminologies of what you're using and just the way you're defining things. It makes perfect sense. So by default, it kind of goes back into what do you eat? Kind of, kind of gives you what the results are going to be. So I'm gonna, you know, look into what I'm eating a little bit differently. Like I, before, I would. I'd eat anything. You put a squirrel in front of me and I'm like, yeah. I'm a foodie. I, give it to me. But it makes perfect sense. It's like, it's not just a squirrel. It's what is that squirrel eating? And it is, it's a cause and effect. And the way you describe the receptors on the cells and they're trying to get vitamin C, but if they can't get vitamin C, they'll take a secondary supplement. But then eventually that cell will become mutated. It made, yeah. it became transparent in that moment. So definitely kind of looking to what I'm eating a little bit more. Yeah, just get all the nutrients your body needs, and then it's okay to to eat bad stuff too, because your body won't use that, and that's something that you burn. Yep. So with that, right? I mean, kind of flipping it back on you a little bit. Yeah. So I'm thinking that breakfast is probably a really important meal that most people skip. <laughs> well, I'm going to correct you. I never eat breakfast because the least important meal that somebody can think of. The least huh. important meal. Yeah. So is it we, more so the nighttime, like before you yeah. go to the dinner time or? Well, we humans, we should only eat once a day, really, because I know, you know, people in oil, you need five times a day metabolism. Yeah. These are all, these are all things to sell stuff, whether it's supplements or protein shakes or breakfast. Again, that's, that's our government with the totally wrong food pyramids, putting in dairy, dairy is poison. That's another topic, meat, meat, we're not meat either. So those are all topics we can get into and discuss, but you know, uh, <clears throat> breakfast is the least important meal. Um, 
Animals in the wild only eat once a day. The Greeks, the Romans, uh, even Moses, if you want to, they only eat once a day. Our digestive system, physiologically and biologically, is only designed to digest one meal a day because it takes five, six hours to digest a meal. It's not designed to do any more meals. And so why do I say breakfast is the least important? Because in this society, when I eat my meal, it's going to be in the early evening. Why? Because it takes several hours to digest. And when I go to sleep, I don't want to be digesting. I want to be repairing, recuperating, renewing, etc. Right. So that's why that's when you eat your meal. Um, why not breakfast? The meal is digested. I'm sleeping and I'm recuperating. Right. So now I get up in the morning. So now all the nutrients that I needed and that I ate are available. Why would I have breakfast? I have all the energy in the world now. Why would I have breakfast and burden my digestive system? The, the, the best comparison most people that work eight to five know is that when you go for a lunch over lunchtime and you go back to work, how do you feel? Sluggish SF, right? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? Because your energy has to go that, to digestion. So now you do two bad jobs. Your digestion is bad and your performance in the afternoon is bad the digestion takes up too much energy so you don't want breakfast breakfast is a burden uh and you have the healthy nutrients from from the other day so now you know what you could do which is what i do mid morning till lunch i juice right i get my nutrients all the nutrients that i need i juice and i take supplements and so then I have my meal at about five o'clock, five thirty, maybe even six o'clock, and that's the ideal way because breakfast is the least important uh, hmm. uh, meal of the day. Um, very cool, you know? very cool, very cool insight. So I mean, again, going back in, into closing, do you have any additional questions that you'd like to ask me? Mm -hmm. um, if you say "boss uncaged," what, where does the uncaged come from? I was wondering that before I get on. So. Essentially, right? Uncaged? Correct. Essentially, a lot of people that are potentially listening to this podcast, they may be on two spectrums, right? One may be highly successful or already an entrepreneur and successful, or the other one is working for someone and they're looking for the opportunity to learn to how to then become an entrepreneur. So essentially, they're in the cage and they want to break out the cage. They want to become the boss, you. become the boss in cage. Yeah. Would that apply to you're in the bubble and you're comfortable where you are, but in order to make change, you got to step out of the bubble or out of the cage? I mean, literally, and that's, that's why like, I'm a brand guy, right? So again, all the things that you're defining all go into this, this one element of these two words. You can self-define yes. it in any way, whatever works for you. But the goal yeah, is uncaged. you have yeah. to get uncaged. Yeah. You got to get into that unknown if you want to develop and if you want to get to a higher potential. Exactly. Exactly. Dead on. But awesome. I, I think that this, this episode was definitely an episode... Um, for the textbooks, for sure. I mean, it's just so much energy and, and so much information and the way you define and clarify things. I, I think that not only are you well-spoken, but it makes you think. So I definitely appreciate that. Yeah. It's all about critical thinking. Yep. yep. Thanks for having me and have me on anytime you want. Uh, the, pl pleasure. the pleasure was mine. Right. Again, have a good one. S.A. Grant, over too. and out.